Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 33 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Our main story today, historically, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is the agency in charge of predicting and containing an outbreak. But as COVID-19 ravages the country, the agency has taken a back seat to the White House. CDC Director Robert Redfield talked to Bloomberg about the agency's changing role and its missteps early on in the crisis. But first, here's what happened today. Talk is increasingly turning to how and when the U.S. can restart its economy and what a rebooted economy would look like. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the top infectious disease expert in the U.S., said Monday that parts of the U.S. could be ready to ease up on coronavirus-related restrictions in May. But Fauci and many others say that would depend on widespread testing becoming available. Fauci also said the U.S. could see a second wave of the virus in November. The likelihood that the outbreak will keep coming and going in cycles has Neil Kashkari, president of the Minneapolis Federal Reserve, predicting 18 months of rolling shutdowns. Kashkari said on CBS's Face the Nation that without a vaccine or therapy for COVID-19, we will continue to have to reimpose and then ease social distancing restrictions to keep the virus contained. About that vaccine, the World Health Organization has said there are 70 coronavirus vaccines in development around the world. Three of them are already being tested in human trials. Hong Kong company CanSino Biologics and Beijing's Institute of Biotechnology have the two drugs that are farthest along in the pipeline. Scientists are working at an unprecedented speed to get a vaccine to market in the next year to 18 months. It's a process that usually takes 10 or 15 years. And the Centers for Disease Control director Robert Redfield said in recent interviews that the coronavirus has stabilized across the U.S. And he thinks the country is close to a peak in cases. But the U.S. still leads the world in new cases. And New York reported its death toll shot past 10,000 over the Easter weekend. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. 
our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Now for our main story. What happened at the CDC? We've traditionally thought of the CDC as being the agency in charge of detecting and tamping down outbreaks of disease. But when it comes to coronavirus, they have been criticized for getting off to a late, inadequate start with testing. And the agency has not been the public face of the disease response. They've largely taken a backseat to the White House and its task force. I recently had the chance to speak with Bloomberg reporters Michelle Faye Cortez and John Tazi. They interviewed Robert Redfield for over an hour about the CDC's response to the pandemic. To start off, I asked Michelle to tell a bit about the overall history and mission of the agency. The CDC has been viewed as the gold standard worldwide when it comes to controlling infectious diseases. Even in China, their agency there is known as the Chinese CDC, and everybody has looked to the U.S. to control these sorts of outbreaks and to understand what's happening in the world. The CDC researchers and staff members have actually been the ones who have trained many of the people worldwide who handle infectious disease outbreaks. So in the United States, all of our politicians, our leaders, public health officials across the entire country really thought that the CDC was the premier institution that would be directing the entire way that the government is going to respond. And... The CDC director is Robert Redfield. Tell me about it. Robert Redfield is absolutely a renowned virologist in America. It's amazing because he is probably one of the people who are most ideally situated to be attacking this situation head on. He served for 20 years in the U.S. Army Medical Corps. He was a founding director of the Department of Retroviral Research, which was part of the military's HIV research program. After he retired from that position, he founded the Institute of Human Virology at the University of Maryland. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to viruses and virology, and he knows how to handle terrifying, unexpected new outbreaks of disease. So the CDC is led by this renowned expert, and the country was counting on them to manage the coronavirus response. But there have been a lot of mistakes made by the CDC, particularly around testing. John, what happened there? I think from the kind of early weeks of the outbreak in the United States, there was a sense that we did not have enough tests or fast enough tests to really detect the virus as it was, you know, maybe spreading silently in some communities. The CDC developed the first test in the United States, but when it sent that test to state public health labs, uh, it didn't work. And that set uh, set the whole country back for uh, a couple of crucial weeks. You two interviewed Robert Redfield about all this. What is his opinion of how the agency has performed? 
particularly when it comes to coordinating public response to the outbreak. Redfield defended how the CDC responded to the outbreak, and he said that a lot of the kind of narratives out there about the agency were incorrect. He said that the CDC is still the premier public health agency uh, in the world, and he thought that the the agency would actually come out of this with its with its reputation and its capabilities uh, enhanced. Um, and specifically on the question of testing, he said that the CDC did its job, that it developed an initial test uh, quickly once the, the genetic sequence of the virus was available. They had a test that worked at the CDC headquarters in a week or just over a week. And that, you know, there was a failure when, you know, there was a problem when the that test was sent to state public health labs that took a, a couple of weeks to correct. Um, but the the question more of more broad testing capacity in hospitals, in commercial labs, um, you know, the ability of people who think they are sick or think they might have the virus uh, to actually find out on a broad scale, he essentially said that that's not the responsibility of the Centers for Disease Control, that that's the responsibility of, uh, you know, the the um, healthcare industry and the clinical laboratories in the United States. I think that that's exactly where the rub is here. The thing is, is that Americans expected the CDC to be front and center. We expected them to be the ones telling us what we should all be doing. We do have doctors doing that, Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Deborah Bricks. They're both brilliant people who have a lot of experience in this as well. But generally, we don't think of the State Department or the National Institute for Allergies and Infectious Diseases as controlling outbreaks of disease. That's what the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention was supposed to be. And I think that's where the disconnect is. And perhaps this touches on a a much more broad question about when really the U.S. government lost control of its ability to contain the spread of the virus. We don't fully know the answer to that, but I do think there are a couple of important things to consider. First of all, early on in January, the criteria for who would actually be tested were fairly narrow. Um, They were looking at people who were potentially exposed through travel to affected areas in China and who had symptoms. You know, if there were travel-related cases that didn't, you know, fit those criteria, they might not have been tested. And I I, I think we still don't know the answer to whether there were introductions in that period that we, you know, that we just weren't aware of because we weren't looking for them. I think it's an illusion that we ever had control over this virus at all. I don't think that we know definitively when it first arrived in the U.S. I don't think that we know how it has spread since it arrived. And it all comes back down to not testing more broadly. You know, in the in the early weeks, you know, when this was primarily spreading overseas, most of the information in the United States about the outbreak, I think, was coming directly from the Centers for Disease Control. They were doing regular uh, media briefings. And as it escalated in the United States, those briefings stopped and they were sort of replaced by these White House uh, news conferences led by the president every day. But if you look at what the professionals at the CDC were saying back in February, they were saying that the United States needs to be prepared for a pandemic. They were warning that 
you know, schools might close, that daily life might be seriously disrupted. Um, and those warnings turned out to be true. And they were saying these things, you know, when the politicians uh, and the president often weren't saying that publicly. And now, you know, those voices are not the ones we're hearing from anymore. And I think, you know, for, for a lot of people, that's that's concerning. What is, I think, notable is that the agency that houses the most expertise within the U.S. government that was, um, you know, correct in its uh, cautions or warnings uh, weeks ago is is really not being heard from in significant, meaningful ways. Um, and that affects, uh, you know, everybody's ability to understand what's going on and uh, make decisions based on it. I do think that they are having that kind of an effect behind the scenes. I do think that they are sharing their expertise and giving advice and guidance to state and public health laboratories, to state and public health infection control workers. They're having phone calls with individual groups. So I do think that they are still having a major impact on how we're handling this virus. I just don't think that the American people are seeing it the way we expected it. Do you think that this has permanently tarnished um, the CDC's reputation, both in terms of a response to a pandemic, but just in general, its overall role in American health? I think that we definitely are going to have a different view of the CDC going forward. I'm not entirely sure if tarnished is the right word. I think that the CDC themselves are saying that they don't feel like in this outbreak, where it is a national disaster across every level of our country, that it should be the CDC that is front and center on that. And I do think that a lot of people expected that to be the case. So whether or not it's just a realignment of what the CDC's role should actually be, or whether it's just a diminishment of their role. Also, when the next outbreak comes, certainly we hope that we'll be a little bit more prepared for that one, and maybe it'll play out differently. was Michelle Faye Cortez and John Tazi discussing their interview with the CDC director. And that's it for the Prognosis Daily Edition. For more on the pandemic from our bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com coronavirus. And one small favor, if you like what we're doing, please take a second to rate the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is hosted by me, Laura Carlson. The show is produced by me, Topher Forges, Jordan Gaspore, and Magnus Henriksen. Today's main story was reported by Michelle Faye Cortez and John Tazi. Original music by Leo Citrin. Our editors are Francesca Levy and Rick Schein. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. 
title sponsor, Amazon, official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.